Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krauss is from the series, Today Matters Forever. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. We're in a series that many of us have probably never heard preached before. You may have never heard anything like what we're teaching during this five-week series. The series is titled, Today Matters Forever, because there is a biblical truth that what you and I do today, right now, how we live today, has eternal implications, and there are rewards associated with what you do today. Now, certainly not every decision has eternal implications. I don't want to make you think that whether, you know, on Tuesday you pick Blaze Pizza or Mission Barbecue for lunch, that does not have eternal consequences. It may have a daily consequence for you, depending on what you pick to eat, but that's not going to have eternal consequences. However, there are many choices that you and I make on a daily basis that do have a forever impact. So that's what we're studying in this series, and that's, that's why this series is probably going to really make you think because you may not have thought about that, about how what you do in, in the now, in today, will have eternal consequences. And last week's sermon, which Blake did an awesome job of preaching that difficult text, you may um, have walked away from that sermon, though, with questions, and that's okay. That's okay, because part of our job as preachers is to deliver the text, make it clear to you, hopefully, and then also give you a desire to dig into it a little bit deeper, to say, wow, that I never thought of that before, and to study it and to research it and find out what you um, can understand from that. You see, it's our desire to clearly communicate the Bible to you, but sometimes just one sermon can't give all the answers. So you may have come away with questions. It might bring up more questions, and this is one of those topics, I think, that will do that. So every week in this series builds upon the previous week or weeks. So you're going to need to be here every week to hear what we're saying about this topic and what we're teaching from God's Word. If you miss one, make sure you go to the podcast and listen, because the topic of eternal rewards is one that most of us will likely have a hard time wrapping our minds around. It's one that even as I'm teaching it, as I'm studying it, I still am looking at it and going, okay, there's an element of faith here that I've just got to believe because I know God is good and God desires what's good for me, that I've got to believe this by faith that, that he has a good plan. So after last week, you may be struggling with some questions like, how can there be different levels of rewards in heaven? Or, or won't heaven be enough? Isn't just getting into heaven enough? Won't that be enough? It's supposed to be paradise, and that's our goal, right, is that we want to get there. So when I get there, if there's levels of rewards, am I going to be disappointed in some way? Will I be ashamed that I don't have those rewards that others might have if I'm not getting as many rewards as, as the person next to me? You might ask, isn't fellowship with God enough? Isn't that going to be enough for everybody that we would just be in his presence and shouldn't everything just be equal? Doesn't it seem greedy? Does it seem prideful for me to desire greater rewards than others? You know, those are great questions and those are tough questions that we have to ponder and think about as we look at this topic. And I may not be able to answer all those questions today, but it's my goal that by the end of this sermon series, you're going to have a much better understanding of what God's purpose for eternal rewards is. I was thinking about this week how to illustrate in some way the idea of being in a special place 
with rewards or in that special place without rewards. And this, this illustration is probably going to fall short, but it's an attempt from my life to kind of help make a little bit more sense with this. Now, the first time that I made it to the NCAA championships in college, I ran at the University of Kentucky, ran cross country and track. The very first time I made it to the NCAA finals was my freshman year of eligibility in cross country. And I can remember this feeling that I had as I was lacing up my racing spikes and I was getting right ahead to the starting line. I was just happy to be there. I could not believe that I'd made it to the NCAA finals. That is the goal of every NCAA athlete is to compete in the NCAA championship, right? So if you're a college athlete, when you begin the season, you're like, this is my goal. I want to get to the NCAA finals. That's it. I want to get there. And it is an amazing, incredible experience. It's the biggest meet in the NCAA. And I was there as a freshman. So it was a bit overwhelming. And it was somewhat surreal. And while it was amazing that I was there, I had reached my goal. While I was there, there was something missing. Because you see, that first time I was there, I was used to being a front runner. All through high school, I would be the front runner. And that was, I had something to offer my team. I had something to really bring to them. I had something that I could value that I brought to my team. But at this meet, as a freshman, as I was running in college at the NCAA championship level, I was dealing with an injury and I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to offer. I had this injury called plantar fasciitis. Anybody here had plantar fasciitis? It's awful. I mean, it's just terrible. And basically what it is, is there's a plantar fascia tendon that runs through the arch of your foot. It connects at the back of your toes, runs through the arch of your foot, then connects at your heel. When you do a lot of training, when you run a lot of miles, when you run a lot of fast miles, your calves get really, really tight. My calves got super tight. They're connected to the Achilles tendon, which pulls on that. That Achilles tendon is connected to the heel, which is connected to the plantar fascia tendon. Now, when, the, when, when that happens, the plantar fascia is the weakest point, so it starts to pull away at the heel. So that's what I was dealing with. My plantar fascia tendon in both feet was starting to pull away at the heel and it had tons of pain every time I took a step. So imagine running a 10,000 meter race, 6.2 miles with every strike of the foot shooting pain through your heel and up your legs. That's what I was feeling. So I basically didn't have a whole lot to offer. I was just there participating. And everybody knew it. My teammates knew it. My coach knew it. My family knew it. But they were there to, to cheer me on. And they were there just letting me know, hey, it's okay. Just enjoy this experience. You're here. You're at the NCAA Finals, and, and you are here to experience this, so, so enjoy this. Make the most of it. So while I was there, I was at the big race. I was at the place that was my goal. I really felt like I didn't have much to offer. And I remember before the race, my coach just basically said, hey, Neil, enjoy this race. You're at the NCAA Finals. This is the goal of every runner in cross country. You are now and will forever be known as a participant in the NCAA championships. Soak it up. Enjoy it. And that's what I tried to do. And I can still look back on it today, and it's a great memory. I can forever say that I was at the NCAA championship finals my freshman year in cross country, but I was a participant. I didn't really have a whole lot to offer. I was our seventh runner out of seven guys, top five score. So I didn't really bring much to the team that day. Now, contrast that to a couple years later. A couple years later, when I was a front runner for our team, and our team had an amazing season. We were ranked in the top in the nation, and we qualified once again for the NCAA Finals. And I was there, and I was back at the NCAA Championships. It was in Bloomington. It's in my home state this time, and it's on a course that I love to run, a course that I had run before and done very well on, and I now had something of value to bring to my teammates. 
I had a totally different experience and a way more fulfilling season when I knew that I had something of value to offer. When I knew that, my experience there was enriched. I was not just a participant that year. I was a participant who was bringing something of great value. Exact same meat, exact same purpose, different experience altogether. Now, that example pales in comparison to what we're going to talk about today, but it kind of illustrates the importance of rewards and how we get to enjoy rewards in heaven. We will have the same place, same environment, same purpose, but we can have a different experience based on what we do today. You see, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Preach that all the time here. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are guaranteed salvation. We're guaranteed a place in heaven. We are guaranteed that we will be with God forever. By faith in Jesus, we will forever be participants in heaven. And heaven will be an awesome place. It's going to be unbelievably incredible. We can't even fathom what heaven will be like. We'll be so happy to be there. However, the Bible does teach that our experience there will be greatly enriched when we have something to offer to Jesus for eternity as we worship him. Not just as participants, not just there, but as participants who bring something of value to him. So can you begin to see how we can be there as participants in heaven or we can be there as participants who are bringing something to Jesus and bringing something of value to him. You see, you have the option of being there and participating and worshiping, which would be incredible, being a part of Jesus' team. That's amazing. Or you can bring something of value, not only as a participant, but as we'll begin to learn, as a leader who brings rewards to offer Jesus. And not just one time, but these are eternal rewards. So I see it as though we will be able to eternally, forever, come to Jesus, bringing him rewards and saying, God, because of you and what you gave me, here's what I offer back to you in my offer of worship to you. Because of the reward you bestowed upon me, I only got them because of you and I'm bringing them back to you. Those eternal rewards are offered based on how you and I live today. So that's precisely why we're studying through this series titled Today Matters Forever. Because how you and I live today will determine what we have to offer Jesus for eternity. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles, grab them and stand as we are going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. We'll also be in Hebrews chapter 11. So maybe you want to kind of turn over and put your finger in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 6 through 10 first. These verses will be on the screen for you. Here's what God's word says. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Then when you turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse here's what God's word says by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith though he died he still speaks by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him now before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God and without faith it is impossible to please him For whoever would draw near to God 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You can be seated. As always, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word today. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 makes it clear that we would rather be in the presence of the Lord than here. I think we all would agree with that because it, to be in his presence is our goal. That's what we're shooting for, right? That is the goal of every believer is that we want to be in the presence of the Lord forever, for eternity. That's the destination that we're striving for, that we're living for. However, while we are here in the flesh, we are called to do whatever we can to please the Lord. And the Bible says we do that by walking by faith. So Paul, who wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, he knew that what we do today, the way we live today, matters forever. And last week, Blake preached a fantastic sermon out of Luke chapter 19. He's such a gifted preacher. I love watching him grow as a preacher. And every time he's up here speaking, he gives some kind of nugget that, that speaks to me. Every time he's up here, he speaks, and God speaks through him as he's in the pulpit. And last week, some of what my takeaway was from Blake's sermon is that you and I need to engage. We need to engage today and be productive until Jesus returns or until he takes us home, whichever comes first. And he didn't just stop there. He didn't just say that we need to do this. He gave us the why. Why you and I should engage and be productive with what God has given to us. It's because there are eternal rewards attached to what we do here today. Now, that can become confusing because we have to guard our motivation for why we do what we do. Because if we give to the church hoping that it will give us power here on earth, then we have the wrong motivation. If we serve the poor because we hope people will notice and they'll give us accolades and they'll say, look what this person's doing for the community, then we have the wrong motivation. If we attend church and come on the weekend because we think it will give us a better reputation, we think it might help us out with the people we do business with, then we come and we serve and we're a part of the church for the wrong reason. If we live morally and generously because we desire greater treasures in heaven for our own purposes, we want status then we still miss the point and we have the wrong motivation. You see, our motivation for doing good works and desiring those rewards in heaven that Jesus promises us, it is this, so that we can be pleasing to our Savior and worship him more fully. That's why we're to desire these rewards, not so that we get something and we have this status in heaven. It's so that we have more to offer our Lord to please him in worship of him. Second Corinthians 5, 9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim, what? To please him. You and I should desire to have something of great value to offer to Jesus when we approach him in heaven. We should be doing works here on earth so that we have something to offer Jesus in heaven. If we do, our experience becomes that much fuller because we're not just a participant, we're now also a leader and we're offering something. You see, you can simply be there as participants in heaven and it will be amazing. You will have arrived in heaven or you can be participating in a way that adds value and adds enrichment to our experience. You see, God loves us so much that he says, just my presence, it'll be great, but you can even have greater value when you're here. You can even experience even better while you're here. So Jesus gives us rewards for his glory in heaven. And when we use what he's given us today for his glory now, he multiplies greatly what we'll get in heaven compared to what we would get today. And as Blake preached last week, God says, listen, if you're faithful today, I will grow that tenfold. And if you are faithful with that, then in heaven, I will give you 10 cities. 
You see the, the economy of God? That's his reward system. It is absolutely, unbelievably, incredibly awesome how much more he rewards us in heaven for faithfulness here today. And Blake talked about several kinds of crowns that you and I will receive for faithfulness, for living a life of faith before God. You can go to the podcast and listen to those. It is fantastic to hear. But something I want to point out and I want to be clear about is this. Every single crown that you and I get for works done here today is a crown that exalts Jesus. It's not a crown that lifts us up. It's a crown that magnifies Jesus. It's a crown that's given to us because by faith we follow Jesus. So it is a crown that will be cast to him and given to him for eternity. And those crowns will one day be placed at the feet of Jesus as we worship him for eternity. And I don't know about you, but I desire to have as many crowns as possible to take to Jesus. I mean, I want to I have my arms full. I want to have like a wheelbarrow behind me bringing it and saying, God, here, here, because of you, here's all the things you poured on me and I'm giving them back to you because of you and what you've done, because of your grace and your mercy and because of you giving your life for me, I get to be with you forever. I'm going to worship you forever and I'm going to give you everything back because of what you have done. I want to be a full-on participant in the eternal worship of my Lord. I don't just want to be a participant in heaven. And every one of you should desire that as well. God loves us so much. He wants to pour out rewards on you. And not just, here's a little bit of interest on your investment. He says, I'll tenfold that. And then you know what? Ten cities worth I'm going to pour on you. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he rewards faithfulness to him. So you begin to see that our works are not to earn anything other than a better experience in heaven a more fulfilling, rewarding experience with God for eternity. You see, it's because of Christ and Christ alone that I can even enter heaven. It's because of Christ and Christ alone. He's the one that made a way for us to enter heaven and to be with him there. Jesus made the way for us to rejoice rewards in heaven, and that is why it's in Christ alone we place our trust, and that is why we do good works, is to please him because of what he has done for us. And are we starting to see the value of good works now? You see, good works are not to earn us into heaven. We can't do that. Jesus paid the way. Works don't bring salvation. It's only by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. However, our works, our good works are an outpouring of our thankfulness for salvation. Our good works are evidence of our salvation. Our good works secure rewards for us in salvation by pleasing Jesus. And they provide a way for us to reign with him. Do you know that? You can reign with Jesus. We'll have something of value to offer alongside of Jesus. Revelation 3.21 says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Where are we going to be? On his throne with him. That's amazing. That's incredible. Have you ever thought of that? You will be on the throne with Jesus. He says, Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. This passage comes right after the famous verse that most of us are familiar with where he says that he would rather that we in the church be hot or cold other than lukewarm. You see, the context of this is that Jesus wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be red hot on fire for him so that you can enjoy eternal rewards with him sitting on his throne beside him. He says, one who overcomes the temptation to just rest in your faith, to live a life of lukewarm inactivity, what he desires for you is to be red hot for him, claiming him, serving him, serving others in his name. But yet so many fail to carry out the good works that he has in store for us. 
He says he'd rather see someone on fire or even cold and rejecting him than someone who's just taking him for granted and just looking for participation in heaven. That's a major caution to the church. That's a major caution to us. And we should desire to be red hot on fire for the cause of Jesus. Why? Because the overcomer will share the same privileges and authority that Jesus enjoys. He wants that for you. Wow. This is mind-blowing stuff. Jesus wants you to be on the throne with him, enjoying with him. What you and I are doing right now today determines what kind of rewards we receive in the life to come. Today determines the privileges and the authority that we will experience there as well. You see, it'll be amazing. It's gonna be amazing to simply be there, but God has so much more that he wants to offer you. He wants you to get the most out of your fellowship with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Blake talked about this a little bit last week as well. We make it our goal to please him because we're going to be judged for everything we've done, good or evil. Now, this is not the same judgment that we face for our sins. This is not the white throne judgment where we will hit our knees before God Almighty and he's going to look in the Lamb's book of life and he's going to ask, did you know my son Jesus? Did you follow my son Jesus? Did you place your faith in my son Jesus? That is where we will be judged for whether or not we believe in Jesus and follow him. That's where we'll be forgiven for all of our sins. Judgment before God Almighty is something that every single person will face. Every person who has ever lived will have to face this judgment before God Almighty. Those who place their faith in Jesus will enter into heaven for eternity. Those who have not placed their faith in Jesus will spend eternity in hell. The judgment seat of Christ is a place that then all believers will go. Not everyone will go before this Bema seat of Christ. Believers will go then before the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and our total life is going to be examined. And it will be determined what good we did, what good works we did, and what kind of rewards we will receive. But this is not a time of punishment. That's already been taken. Jesus took that for us. This is not a time of shame that was taken by Christ already on the cross. This is a time, the Bema Seat of Christ is the time where we go before him and we get rewards. This is a time of reward. This is a, to be a beautiful time for us. And Jesus desires to reward you. His desire is to pour out rewards upon you because it pleases him, is what this verse says. The scripture says it pleases him to do that. This is why we should be doing everything we can to live a life that's pleasing to God. He desires to pour out rewards on you and me in heaven. And it's not because our, our salvation depends upon it. That's sealed when we place our faith in Jesus. But it's because we desire to please our Savior who has given his life for us. And the great thing about God's rewards is that they come with multiple benefits. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 through 20, Paul explains this process to the Philippians. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. That's an important verse right there. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in verse 14, 
They're giving financial assistance to Paul when he was in need. In verse 15, they were the only church to do this. Verse 16, they gave again when he was in Thessalonica. They are helping him. They are doing good works. They are serving for the gospel. In verse 17, he says that what they gave was credited to their account. Now, what account would Paul have been referring to? He is referring to the fact that God is keeping an account open for us in heaven and every gift given for his glory is deposited into that heavenly account. So we put this on ourselves. When you give to the church, reward is stored up for you in heaven. When you help someone in need, according to the gospel, reward is stored up for you in heaven. When you share the gospel with someone, reward is stored up in heaven. When you help a widow or an orphan, reward is stored up for you in heaven. In God's economic system, whatever you give away here today, it is stored up for you in heaven in a heavenly account. Whatever you give away, you eventually get back tenfold plus some. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy. It's, it's mind-boggling to try to think about it. But we have to ask ourselves, what's stored up in my account? What have I been giving away here on earth for the sake of the gospel so that God's storing it up in heaven and he's multiplying it in ways I can't even imagine? What's in your heavenly account right now? Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Beautiful verse. And it's talking about how we are to be doing good works now, serving now, giving now in the name of Jesus so that our heavenly account is growing. Author and pastor Randy Alcorn says this, in reading Matthew 6, Many people see something negative and miss the positive. They think that Jesus is categorically against the storing up of treasures. In fact, Jesus didn't tell us not to store up treasures. On the contrary, he commanded us to. He simply said, stop storing them up in the wrong place and start storing them up in the right place. You see, the argument of Jesus is, a, it, you know, it's the primary argument against amassing earthly material wealth isn't that it's morally wrong. Not that there's a, a problem with it. He's simply saying it's a poor investment. When you just keep trying to amass earthly wealth and, and gain stuff here, it's just a poor investment is what he's saying. Material things don't stand the test of time. Things on this earth will not last. If they escape the moths and rust and the thieves, they cannot escape the coming fire of God that will consume the material world. 2 Peter 3.7 tells us about that. Everything will be burned up. So we have to ask, what's in my eternal account? What's growing? What am I investing in eternally? Only what you've given away for the sake of the gospel are you investing in eternally. And now, nothing you keep is yours to keep because you're eventually going to lose it. You're going to lose all of it. Only what you give for God's purposes is yours to keep for all eternity. Isn't that amazing? When we begin to think of that things that way, it totally changes the way that we live today. You know, God always flips things upside down. And he says, the way of the world is not my way. It, it's totally different than that. He's saying, what you give away here on earth, it gets stored up in an eternal account, and then I multiply it for you. And it's going to be there for eternity for you. See, when he warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not just because wealth might be lost. It's that wealth will definitely be lost. Because either we lose it while we live, or we leave it when we die. Then in verse 18 of Philippians 4, 
Paul's needs were met and God was honored and glorified by what they gave. So in verse 19, God would meet all their needs now as well, hear what they needed. And in verse 20, God gets all the glory and all the praise. So we see this promise of future rewards and our needs also being met now. When we're giving away according to God's kingdom, he stores up in eternity and he provides for our needs in the here and the now. Therefore, what we do today matters forever. But why we do something is far more important than what we do. Verse 20 gives us the why. He says, so that God gets all the glory and praise forever. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus warned about doing things for the rewards of men, right? Recognition, affirmation, acknowledgement of men, those are all shallow rewards. If we seek the rewards of men, Jesus says, that's all the rewards you're going to get. You'll just get the rewards of men, and then that will just that'll wear off. Rewards are based on what we do, but even more so on why we do what we do. The second half of 1 Samuel 6, 17, God says, For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He understands and he knows the why we do what we do. And this doesn't invalidate outward appearance. This just verifies the importance of our motives and our heart. Why are we to do good works? It's because they're pleasing to God. Why should we desire rewards in heaven? Because they are pleasing to God. So if we look really quickly at those verses in Hebrews that we read, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. You might ask, why was Abel's sacrifice more acceptable than Cain's? If they both gave a sacrifice to the Lord, why, what made Abel's better? It's because he offered it from the heart as an act of faith. He offered it to please God, and the sacrifice pleased God. Cain's offering was given out of unbelief. Cain's offering was given out of ritual and tradition, and because it was what he knew he was supposed to do, so he just gave the offering without the right heart behind it. May we never offer a sacrifice to the Lord out of tradition because it will not be acceptable to the Lord. Our heart has to be right in it. The why that we give that sacrifice has to be for the purpose of pleasing God and pleasing God alone. May our offerings always be as a result of our faith, pleasing to our Lord because of the heart behind them. Then in verse five, it says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. This verse is referencing an Old Testament verse found in Genesis 5, verse 24. They're referencing, quoting it, where it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God, and then God said, you know what? You're not even going to have to die. I'm just going to take you into my presence. And he was not here anymore because God took him. Why? Because Enoch walked with God. It's a very important words right there. How do you please God? You walk with him. You walk with him, in step with him. May we walk in step with God so that we please him just like Enoch did. So the question we have to ask ourselves, am I walking with God? Are you walking with God today? Or are you trying to make your own way? Are you trying to, to blaze your own trail, to make your own path? God says, just walk with me. You know what's pleasing to God? Do you want to please God with your life? Just simply walk with him. How do you know how to walk with him? Read his word. 
Be in the Bible. Seek him, and he will show you your next steps. Walking with God is pleasing to God. Then verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, it's when we walk by faith that we please God. And when we please God, God rewards us. And it begins, it says right here, by believing that he exists. By placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and believing and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So do you believe that he exists today? Do you believe in God to the point that you would place your faith in his Son Jesus and that you would begin to walk with him? That's our steps we take. As you live your life seeking him, following him, he promises to reward you. And the purpose of that reward is to enhance your experience of worshiping him for eternity. John Piper wonderfully said it this way. He said, Christ is our reward. And everything else is our reward that more fully reveals him and more fully enables us to enjoy him. May we live today for the purpose of more fully enjoying Jesus forever. So my prayer for you today is that you leave here today understanding that what you do today it matters forever. May you start your journey today walking with God and pleasing Him with your life. You see, it doesn't matter what you've done up until this point. It doesn't matter where you've been up until this point. If today you determine, I'm going to walk with God from this point forward, I believe He exists, and I want to live my life to please Him, He promises you amazing rewards beyond what you can ever imagine in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your grace. We're grateful that we can spend eternity with you. And God, God, we're thankful that by faith we can spend eternity with you. But God, we want to we do more than just be participants and just spend eternity with you. We want to get the most out of that experience. So may we, Lord, may we walk out of here today determined to walk with you determined to please you by the way we live our lives, understanding that today matters for eternity. God, I just know in a room this size that there are people in this room that, that have never fully placed their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, if you're impressing on someone's heart that they would say, this is the day. They would come to the altar and they would just pray and say, God, I want to follow you. God, forgive me of my sins. I repent of those sins, and I want to follow you. God, I pray you would help them just have the nerve, the boldness to come to the, the altar, take a knee, and pray, and know that we celebrate along with them, that we worship along with them, and that we'll take steps with them. God, others in this room have been living a life of lukewarmness, of saying, you know what, I think getting into heaven is going to be good enough. And while it will be amazing to be in your presence, you have so much more for us. I pray that you would have lit a fire pray that that spark would have inflamed into a, flyer, a fire today, that each of us would want to live a life knowing today matters forever and what I do today has eternal implications and that we desire to have rewards in heaven for eternity that we can cast it at the feet of Jesus and worship him more fully and experience more fully what you have for us. Father, as we continue to dive into this whole idea of rewards and eternity, would you give us clarity? If we leave here with questions today, would you impress upon our heart to study your word more fully, to seek you, to ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and give us, give us clarity in what you are saying. 
So, Father, now as we continue to worship you, we open up the altar. We just say, Lord, you have your way with us. We come before you with humble hearts and we bow, we take a knee before you, amazed by your love and the rewards that you desire to pour upon us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as Lead Pastor Neil Krause continues in the series, Today Matters Forever. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.